Yo, hoes. <laughs> it's Haley and Courtney. Shocker. <laughs> so we're recording this to let you know that we are doing a two-part episode this week. Um, first part will be today, Monday. Hi, this you're already episode. listening. <laughs> Weird. And then the second part will be this Friday. Um, it's all about mental health. Courtney's story will be the first day and mine will be the second day. Yeah, so thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. Love you. And we're rolling. Hi, it's Haley holding Mia. (laughs) And Courtney. And we are back with another episode of... Thought Bubbles. Thought Bubbles. Bubbles. (laughs) Moira. (laughs) David. (laughs) David. We need to watch that tonight, by the way. (laughs) Yes. Um, If you don't know what we're making fun of, it is Shit's Cure... Shit's Creek. Oh God! Off Shits to a Creek. Off to a great start. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, bitch, take it off. I, I took my sweater off. Take it off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad we're starting this podcast laughing because yes. it might not be all uh, laughs this time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about something a little bit serious that me and Haley both have a um, emotional connection in issue not i don't want to say issues because it's not always a bad thing Mm -mm. um but we both struggle with um different types of mental illnesses and um before i get started i have i wrote down a few interesting facts that i find interesting um (laughs) interesting facts that you find interesting I might find them interesting, but other people might not find them interesting. interesting facts that you found interesting. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, but I got the, all of this information off of NAMI.org, which um, I found NAMI.org through my cousin, Abby, who has done, um, I believe, like, walks and runs. Maybe it's like a 5K. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and she did it through the NAMI Foundation which is the National Alliance on Mental Health. So they just have a lot of um, facts and information. If you ever want to look into that, it's uh, www.nami.org. Um, but what I have found is four, 43.8 million Americans struggle with some type of mental illness. And in one in five, um, it said teens, but from the ages of 13 to 18, develop a mental illness and the youth depression rate has increased from 5.9 percent to 8.2 percent since 2012 um there were some other informations i have two sheets here that i'm looking at so um it also says one in five americans experience a mental illness um so i don't know if that coincides with also the youth but there um was a part here approximately 10.2 million adults have co-occurring mental illnesses and addictions which means that they have a mental illness and an addiction maybe the mental illness led them to the addiction or the addiction led them to a mental illness um approximately 26 of homeless adults staying in shelters live with some with serious mental illness and 24 percent of state prisoners have a recent a recent 
history of mental health conditions. You are struggling I'm, with this fine print. I'm really struggling. And I don't know if it's because I'm nervous. I feel like I'm a little bit nervous Why? to talk about um, my story. Well, you also know you don't have to go full know, out if you I don't f- want to. I feel like it matters. So I, yes. I apologize if I'm sounding awkward or... Um, it's just this this topic has such a like big, big place, place in my heart. Right. Um, so now that I'm done with those facts, it, like I said, if you there are so many more facts that I didn't read off of the sheet. If you want to know more, um, want to know more about getting help, go on NAMI.org. They have so many resources um, to help you and. Um, yeah, don't be ashamed if you feel like you need help. That mm-hmm. is like the biggest message that I want to get across. Yeah. Um on this episode is there are so many people out there that struggle and you are not alone. Nope, and you're talking to two of them right yeah, here. We are literally we've made jokes Lexapro gang. Yeah. We are literally both <laughs> on the same antidepressant slash anti anxiety med. This is couple um, goals right here. Same Which, yes. Pills. <laughs> and if you if you don't know, a lot of um, medicines kind of go together. Like if you suffer from depression and or anxiety, they are like dual acting. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe you can find one that works for both instead of having to take a million different pills, which I have done in the past, um, which I'll go into more on like my road to stability. I want to say that I'm stable now and I know that I have moments where I'm not but um for the most part I I know how to cope right but um there's a few questions that I want to ask both of us that we're going to like go over on how we feel about, about things and then we'll go into our own individual stories which they are completely opposite yeah <laughs> farther from the opposite. um but um first is I struggle with um, an array of things. When I was um, admitted into the hospital, which I will also go into, um, I was diagnosed with um, anxiety, depression. Let me pull out your scroll. Yeah. Anxi- <laughs> um, anxiety, depression. Um, what was it? What was it? Um, oh, it was just on the tip of my tongue. You're nervous. Borderline psychosis. That, was, that That's what it was. Um, along with I've had eating disorders in the past, issues with self-harm. Um, so an array of things. And, yeah, that is what I struggle with. What do you? I'm sorry that I'm feeling so awkward right now. Like, I'm really not trying to because I want to share my story. Right. Do you want me to lead it, though? Like, will that nope. make you less awkward? All no. right. That's fine. So, all right. Um... Well, For me, what I struggle with is my main thing is anxiety. Um, Courtney's had this, like, she was diagnosed with this years ago. Mm -hmm. Mine was literally four months ago. So it's very new, very fresh. I'm very open about it, which is why we're doing this podcast about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I want... I don't want people to go through what I went through. Right. And it was miserable. But um, really, yeah, that's really what I struggle with is anxiety, really bad anxiety, um, and sometimes depression. Um, got a little bit of OCD. Thanks, Ma. <laughs> Doing well. Uh, this is def- it definitely proves that you pass it down the line because uh, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I love my mom more than life, but no matter how many times she moves, her towels are in the same area, <laughs> the <laughs> same place, like her pots and pans are in the same cupboard and god forbid i don't do that here <laughs> i do that in my apartment and courtney hates me a little bit it's fine <laughs> that's okay um how do we cope or how have we learned to cope mine is uh, an array of things such as um, meditation um, which I usually do guided meditation. If I do meditation, <laughs> there are counting exercises, breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. um, this is all when I'm having an anxiety attack. Right. Um, with depression, it is um, pushing pushing myself through it. Um, whether it's going out and hanging out with friends, being around people, I have a really bad issue with being alone. Um, when I'm alone, I get extremely into my thoughts, which are detrimental to me. Um, Lexapro. I have been, I started on Prozac. That didn't work out for me. I went to Zoloft. That didn't work out to me and out for me. And then I was put on Lexapro and Lexapro seems to work the best for me mm -hmm. right now. There were other ones that I took in between, which, uh, was boost bar for my anxiety. Um, and then there was, there was one that I took Okay, we paused for a second to take me out. Um, mm -hmm. But there was another one I took while I, while I was prescribed it when I was in the hospital. It was called Seroquel. Pretty sure that was to help me sleep more when I was experiencing my manic episodes. Um, so between medicine and these breathing slash meditation exercises, I can usually calm myself down along with being around people. Um, it's really a mix of everything because not there's not one answer. There's not going to be one solution. There's not one cure. Everybody is different. Everybody's formula on getting better is different. Um, so that's how I cope. And Haley copes a completely different way. <sighs> Do I cope? Like, I feel like I'm still working on this. You are, but you're doing so much better. Yeah, so... <clears throat> Well, mine, I don't, okay, so yes, I have crazy anxiety, um, but mine doesn't come out as anxiety attacks. Um, like, I don't have panic attacks like most people do. Um, I get physically ill. So, my stomach hates me. Um, I'll dry heave for hours upon hours. Um, so, basically, starting from the beginning, um... I truly thought it was a GI issue. Mm -hmm. um, so then I was taking a whole bunch of medicine for my GI. And then um, I went to CBD oils to try to go the natural route to see if that would help any. And it did. It helped a lot. Um, but then it got to the point where it didn't help anymore. So then I got put on Lexapro. Actually, no, 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 no. I got put on Zoloft. Mm -hmm. And God, did that make me worse. I, like, I woke up in the mornings and just dry heaved all day. Like, I didn't go to work. It was miserable. Um, and then I had a mental breakdown one day, and I just cried for hours and hours and hours. Shout out to Summer for helping me through that at work. Um, and then the next day I got put on Lexapro, and mm -hmm. I've been s kind of smooth sailing. There's been a few rough, pa rough patches, but 
pretty smooth sailing ever since. Yeah. And it all depends on stress and, um, like, your emotional levels. Like, mm-hmm. if something more stressful is happening within your family or work, that's when your stomach tends to be mm-hmm. affected more. Yeah. T- turns into Satan himself. <laughs> which, which I myself have had issues, um, not like you when it comes to stomach-related issues, but... Um, when I'm super anxious or when anybody's super anxious, you are more inclined to get stomach ulcers. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, a known fact that that happens. Have you guys ever gotten the nervous poops? It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, mine is just, I get like, if I eat like certain foods, it happens, but it's because I have these, stomach ulcers because i'm anxious all the time mm-hmm. um so th- i know there's certain foods that i have to avoid because it just triggers the ulcers and the acid reflux that i might have i don't know mm-hmm. but it just comes right back up i can't do it and mm-hmm. i know that but right um what stigma do we wish what we wish was different with the stigma mm-hmm. i think that um my biggest thing is that I don't like that most places of employment don't see mental health as a illness. Okay. Like they don't, like if you wake up and you're extremely anxious or you are extremely depressed or are having a really, really rough time with whatever mental illness you have, mm-hmm. you have to kind of lie and say you might have the flu or the cold or you might just say you're yeah. sick. Mm-hmm. I wish that mental illness, like you can have mental health days because right. sometimes you need to just get out and like go on a hike or go do something fun that you enjoy because if you get into a rut, sometimes it's extremely hard to pull yourself out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which, I... Sorry, I've been let go from companies because I've missed too much work, but I will also go into that later. But... <laughs> It, like, it's, it's an issue. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just don't think there should be a stigma. I, like, this is people. This is people's yeah. lives. Like, I, if I got to choose what I had, I would never, ever, ever choose any of this. Like this, Oh, for sure. Like, this sucks. Like, absolutely, we're learning how to cope and medicine helps and all of that jazz and therapy and blah, blah, blah. But, like... I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Like, truly. Like, it's... It's, like, restarting your life. It's like you learned how to grow up and function away. And then one day you can't function like that anymore. Mm -hmm. So now you have to figure out how to refunction. You have to rewire your brain completely. it's hard. It's It's, so hard. It is. And it is... It is a constant uphill battle. And I agree that, like, it sucks that places of employment don't count it as, like an illness but i also am glad that they don't because just in in the way that i view it is that they could hold that against me just like everybody else holds everybody everything else against you it's 2020 they shouldn't but how many different places in the world fire you because you find out you're dating a woman like yeah we're not caught up yet we need to be caught up but we're not caught up yet. Right. So, like, there's good and bad on your statement. I agree yeah. with it, but I also... I just wish that it wasn't so, like, shameful to have to have, like, 
a mental health day. Whether it, that yeah. means sitting at home in your bed crying or getting out and doing something. Because sometimes you need one or the other. Or, you know, or like both. eating a cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also wish that um, men weren't so scared to come forward with their mental illness. I wish a lot of people weren't scared to come forward with their mental illness. Yeah. Men for sure. But I also know quite a few women who like won't say anything. Well... Because they're afraid of what the men in their life are going to say. Yeah. So, like, not to double standard that, but... Yeah. Um, but I know that my brother has been more open mm-hmm. on his social media platforms about um, things that he may or may not struggle with and um, what he does, you know, just briefly. I mean, I don't think that he goes into extreme detail, and that's completely up to him. Right. Um, but... I'm proud of him for at least acknowledging the fact that he does have um, things that he's working on mm-hmm. and maybe that w- maybe one of his friends is going through something similar and didn't know that other people struggled and maybe he's opening that door for people. And yeah. I think that's amazing. Absolutely. Um, you bros stick together. <laughs> oh, <Jesus Christ. laughs> um, but now I'm going to go on f- to, I already read those. Oh, okay. And she's looking at me like uh, there's a lot more yeah, on, I'm like, on you the have page. Like eight things on your page. Um, those were some facts that I read in the beginning. <sighs> but I'm going to begin. And if I if I get emotional, I'm sorry. I think y'all should pause it, pop some popcorn, and then come back. <laughs> um, it's a it's a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on my life growing up. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was always an extremely anxious person. And I think now, knowing my circumstances, my parents may be able to look back and agree with me that I was just generally anxious as a kid. Whenever we would go anywhere, um, whether it be vacation or just on a day trip, I was constantly worried about if everything was turned off in the house, if the door was locked if um, certain things were unplugged, like curling irons or straighteners, TVs turned off. Like, I was constantly anxious about those things. Um, And I remember very vividly the first time that I was overwhelmed with um, an anxious type of feeling, and maybe it was like a mini anxiety attack, was that my family and I went to Kings Island, and my dad... And I believe my sister went on a roller coaster that, um, it was a bigger roller coaster and my dad lost his hat, which doesn't matter. Like it's literally a tangible item. Like it's just a hat. I'm sure he had thousands of other hats, but I remember crying on the way home because I was so concerned that he lost his hat, like something that does not matter. So clearly there was issues that I had as a child, but um, not until junior high did I really experience depression. And I don't know if it was hormones, if it was um, issues with my friends that I had at the time, but I was constantly in such a dark place. I um, felt alone most of the times I used to beg my parents to see if I could transfer schools because I didn't feel like I fit in and I just wanted to start over with people that didn't know me and already had a preconceived preconceived idea of who I was um and 
junior high is when I um, began my issues with not only anxiety and depression, but also self-harm, which I did for a very long time. And I don't want to go into detail on how I harmed myself because I don't want um, those ideas and what I did to myself to be in the back of somebody else's head that might be weak and won't be able to turn those thoughts away. Um, but I self-harmed for a very long time. And my friends knew um, because they were able to see it and they were able to notice things. And um, one of my friends told her mom because she was worried about me. And looking back now, I am thankful that she was that concerned that she felt like she needed to tell somebody because that was brave. That was a very brave thing to do. And um, her mom then confronted my dad about it, probably not in the best way. It was at a public, like, get-together, and um, there was alcohol involved. Even so, better. Um, and by the time that my dad had gotten back, her, her, I'm sorry, by the time that her mom had confronted my dad about it, I had stopped doing it in invisible areas. Therefore, when my dad grabbed my arms... There was nothing there. And I told him that she was lying. And he was very upset that she would lie about something. But to him, there was no proof. There was nothing there to say that that was actually happening. Mm -hmm. um, but I lied to him. I lied straight to his face. And I wish that I didn't, but I did. I was, I was in a dark place. I stopped self-harming for a long time after that because I was extremely scared. And my depression stayed... And it varied up and down throughout high school. And um, occasionally I would start to self-harm again and then I would stop. It was a very on and off again relationship. But in the times that I felt like I had to self-harm, I was alone and I was extremely hurt. And it was kind of a way of feeling something. I felt like sometimes I would become so numb to everything that I had to feel something. I had to release my anger and my frustration on something. So I chose myself. And um, it wasn't until after I graduated high school, I began college at um, the Lake Campus near my home. It was like, it wasn't a community school, but it was... It was a branch campus. Yeah. So basically. Um, and I quickly made a group of friends and they were really fun and they did things and I um, began a friendship with someone that I was very very close with and we struggled about the same things and we were very close and then um, she left to join the service she was in the Marines and she was the closest person that I had gotten um, to know since I started college so I went back to feeling lonely and very depressed. And I was constantly low on money because I was going to school and working a part-time job, working two part-time jobs, and I just felt like I never had enough money. And um, so that's when my depression and anxiety really started to decline. Um, there were multiple times that I had really bad panic attacks in a workplace um and um i'm sorry i'm getting overwhelmed it's all right um you can always take a break if you need to i know uh 
but I really, really got lost. And I, I worked a second shift job, which was the worst thing for me in the world because I already had this issue of being alone. And I was alone because my friend left. And then I worked this job where when I woke up, my mom was gone. And then when I left for work, which we worked at the same place, my mom was leaving work. And then when I got home, she was asleep. So I never saw anybody except for the few coworkers that I worked with. And there wasn't very many on second shift and everybody was, you know, doing their their own things in their cubicles. We would stand up and talk occasionally, but it was not enough um, like communication. It wasn't enough interaction with people that I needed. So then when I would get off of work around 10 or 11, I would drive around for hours by myself crying uncontrollably. And there was one night that I wanted to end it all. And I wanted to crash my car. And at this point, my friend that had gone away for the service was at stationed somewhere like in the United States, but like had cell phone access. Um, and for some reason she had texted me and it was like one or two in the morning, which was, I mean, she was normally asleep and, um, she just texted me. I love you. I just thought you should know. And I don't know what made her feel the need to tell me that at that specific time, but it made me realize that I didn't need to crash my car, which is a very scary thought. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is my God honest truth. And so I drove home, cried. I went to sleep, um, kind of got everything under control. That's when I decided to get on medicine. I started, um, with Prozac that made me more wired, having more manic episodes, which if you don't know what mania is like, you want to do everything all at once. You are so overwhelmed and consumed with your thoughts and doing things that it controls your whole being. Um, so I had to stop taking Prozac and then I went on Zoloft and Zoloft did the exact opposite. I could not get out of bed ever. I was constantly just asleep, couldn't go to work, never wanted to do anything, didn't want to hang out with friends, which is not like me. Um, cause I love being around people. It makes me feel not so alone in my thoughts. So I then stopped taking Zoloft and, um, started taking Lexapro. And by this time I was working at a job that was kind of high stress. It was kind of like a billing call center. So I got very angry people and it led me to have multiple panic attacks. And one day I was on a call and it was a pretty intense call. A, a, a man was extremely angry with me and probably not with me personally, but just the company in general. And I get that. And when I got off the phone, everything started to spin. Um, I had uncontrollable breaths, like breathing, like my Wow, I'm stumbling over words. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, and I was trying to, I was staring at my hands, seeing that they were kind of swirling and that there was like splotches everywhere. And I was trying to email 
or not email, but like um, instant message my supervisor to ask if there was any way that I could get taken off the phone calls and um, put on answering emails instead. That way I didn't have to use the energy to talk to somebody. But as I was staring at my hands, I felt like I couldn't move anything. And so by the grace of God, the only thing that I could type out was help. So I messaged my supervisor and just said help. And um, she emailed me back because she could see when you were on a call or not. And she saw that I wasn't on a call. And she said, do you need help with an account? And I didn't answer because at this point I couldn't see anything. I couldn't catch my breath. Um, I couldn't feel my legs. When I get panic attacks and if they are extreme, I lose feeling in my legs. I feel like my teeth are falling out. I kind of really stop feeling everything. And so when I didn't answer, she came over and obviously saw that I was not in good shape. And um, they ended up having to call the squad. And I did not realize that they called the squad until I was halfway to the hospital. And so I knew that I had my purse on my lap. I could see my phone. I didn't know if they contacted my mom, if they contacted any of my family, um, or if I was just going to show up to the hospital and be by myself. So when we got to the um, (laughs) funny story, though, about being in the ambulance, I get very car sick. And so when I realized I was in the back of the squad and I was facing backwards, which really messes with my car sickness anyways, all I said is car sick. So they these two men scrambled so hard to find like a barf bag just in case I got sick, which I didn't. But it was funny. Um, I get to the hospital and they did call my mom. So my mom was there probably worried sick, but, um, that was when I knew that my anxiety was out of control. At that point I had stopped drinking and, um, because alcohol is very bad for your mental health. If you did not know, it it increases your depression and your depressive thoughts. Um, it can cause you to be more anxious. So I stopped drinking, Um, And then the new year hit, and this is kind of like building up to the climax of my mental, my mental illness. Um, The new year hit, and I wanted to be better. I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to try harder at work. I wanted to get my life in order, my finances. And I decided that I wanted to go on a spiritual route, and I wanted to align my chakras. And if you don't know what the chakras are, it is seven basically auras in your body um and it's kind of hard to align them because you don't ever really know how in a line they are um but it became an obsession to me um working out eating specific foods that um coincided with these specific chakras and i fell into a manic episode that i was not aware of and um, i did not sleep for, I would probably get about one or two hours of sleep a night and then I would go to work or I would lie about going to work to my mom and then spend the whole day either going and doing things that I felt like were aligning my chakras, um, working out, doing all of these things that, um, somebody that has severe mania would be doing and not, I had no idea that this was happening. 
And then one day in February, it was the beginning of February, I had a therapy appointment in Troy, which was about 35, 40 minutes from where I lived. But um, it was the only place that I could go to for free through my dad's work. And up until that point, anytime I would go to therapy, I was lying through my teeth to this man. And this poor man was so nice and so kind. And he thought that I was really making progress because I was telling him everything that he wanted to hear. And maybe he knew I was lying. I honestly have no idea. But um, I had a routine of going in there, telling him what I was struggling with, telling him everything he needed to hear on how I was going to fix it. And I went in that day and I started to tell him all of the bullshit lies that I would usually tell him and how I was doing better. And then I just started crying. And he looked at me because he had never seen me cry up until this point. And he said, I feel like there's something else going on. And I looked at him and I said, when I was driving here, I didn't want to crash my car, but I wanted somebody to hit me. And he said, that's not okay. That's not a good way to think. And he started asking me why I felt that way. And I said, I don't feel like I want to end my own life, but I wouldn't be sad if something happened to me and my life ended. And at that point, he told me that I needed to go possibly um, to the local, like the hospital, the mental place in, um, in that area which was called Detmer. Now it's through Miami Valley Hospital, I believe. Um, And I looked at him. He said, I can go with you now and I can call your mom. I, I looked at him and I said, I can't go until I go home and do my laundry. And he kind of, he was like, are you sure? And I said, no, I, I'm going to go, but I can't go until tomorrow because I have to do my laundry. Um, so I drove home cried the entire way home because how am I supposed to tell my mom this so um, I went home I told my mom and she was like we can go right now and I said no I have to do my laundry (laughs) I have no clean clothes because in my manic episode there was no time for laundry that did not align my chakras Um, so I went home my mom helped me get my laundry together I got very little sleep that night, and I think my mom didn't get a whole lot of sleep either. And in the morning, we went and checked myself into the hospital. I was there from Friday morning until Tuesday morning, I believe. Um, the Super Bowl was that weekend. Yeah, I think it was when the Patriots played. Probably. They're always in the Super Bowl. <laughs> um But when I was in there, it was rough. I saw people that were struggling a lot worse than I was. I was grateful that I had made the steps to get my mental illness under control. My mom and my sister came and visited me. Um, My mom and dad came when I was being released. And we had like a family session and we made some great strides. Um, And... uh, they put me on um, Boost Bar. They put me on Seroquel. I was taking the Lexapro. So when I left the hospital, I was extremely drugged up. And there was even times in the hospital. Um, I don't remember this happening, but when I was in the hospital, they gave me my first dose of Seroquel. And 
normally I believe that people take like 50 milligrams like that's a normal dose they gave me 400 milligrams Mm. because they wanted to knock me out I had not slept in days and um so I had taken it taken it at like eight o'clock and then around like eight thirty or nine I think my brother called and they came to my room and I was sleeping because it I was not in good I was not in good condition all I know all I know is I was sitting on the chair and the whole room was like a big wave like we were just going back and forth and I was like I feel drunk I'm gonna go sleep um and then they came and told me that my brother called and so I was on the phone with him and I can't for the life of me know what we talked about and it scared my brother shitless as well as it should have um so he called my mom and was very concerned so i told him the next day i can't take that much seroquel that was intense (laughs) um but when i got out i slowly weaned myself off of seroquel per my doctor's orders um i started seeing a different therapist we did different types of emotional um, um disconnection for memories and I really began getting better. I stopped drinking alcohol for a really long time. Um, I drink it now, but in moderation. I never push it too far um, or drink too often. I'm thankful for the struggle that I had. I'm thankful for the journey that it led me on, even though it was very, very hard. Um, I got through this without crying. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> um, it, I, I'm sometimes I'm afraid to tell my story because it is intense and I don't want somebody to look at me like I am crazy. I don't want somebody to look at me like I am uncontrollable. I'm insane. This was not my fault. And I know that now my brain is wired differently. That is why there is medicine. That is why there are doctors to help you, to talk to you, to guide you. And, um, since that hospital stay, I have been more vocal about mental illness. I have been more accepting to others with mental illness. I've been kinder to myself and kinder to others. And I still have pa- panic attacks. I had one a, a few weeks ago. For sure. Um, and I probably will always have panic attacks. It Anxiety and depression are not curable um but they are tolerable you can live with them and not suffer they you don't have to suffer for the rest of your life if you get the help that you need Mm -hmm. um so if anybody ever feels like they're going through something and want somebody to talk to um i know that i myself is i'm always open to talk to you and i'm i know that Haley probably is as well um but that was my story my story it was very long-winded and i'm sorry um but thank you for listening (laughs) absolutely and now that you have just heard my story thank you for listening and just a reminder that this is only part one and part two is going to be going up on friday that's me i'm part two so be sure to listen and thanks again for listening love you